0: I'm back with episode 47. This one is another dive into a exercise I've been doing over the last two weeks. My last two weeks in Tokyo, I've been trying to visit a new place every day and write about it. And so the root of today's podcast and today's essay is my journey into a new Tokyo location from today. Today, I went out searching for headphones. I'm going to fly to the UK in about a week and a half now. Um, and I don't own any noise-canceling headphones. I used to, like 10 years ago or something. But honestly, I don't listen to music that much on, a, on planes. Um, but when I do, I always regret not having noise-canceling headphones. And I've been meaning to get some of those fancy uh, true wireless headphones the kinds that you can just like pull out of that cool looking case and plug right into your ear so i don't have to like worry about having these tangled wires of my current headphones always making me slow to plug in my headphones when i have to answer a call so with these two desires in mind i decided i might pick up some new headphones here in japan um, In particular, I I had my eye on these Sennheiser Momentum 2 headphones. They're like new and fancy and supposed to sound really good and um, are true wireless. Now, the challenge with any true wireless headphones is that you can't really try them on most places because you got to stick them in your ear. So especially with COVID happening, not a lot of places are super down with that. But my ears are weirdly shaped, and I'm pretty sure most headphones will not fit comfortably inside them. Um, therefore, when I found that there was a Sennheiser showroom that would let you try on in your headphones here in Tokyo, um, I jumped on that opportunity and set out this afternoon to uh, to go try on these headphones. Um, when I arrived, at the station, which was Ayama something or other. Um, I don't know what the owl means, maybe blue, but Yama means mountain. So something to do with a mountain. This was the station I got off at. Um, The station exited into an old building and it was old in a very particular way. It was old in this way that wasn't cool. It was like the kind of old where it was recently new enough that that things that were messed up counted as dilapidation. It's it's this kind of like old that's not quite nostalgic. And it's an old with which I have a lot of unease. When I'm ever in buildings like that, whether they be in Japan or the US or anywhere, these buildings, especially from like the 80s and 90s, I just get uncomfortable. But everybody else around me seems fine. Today, you know, I was surrounded by Japanese company men and women headed to the office. There were these people selling bento boxes. There were children playing in the courtyard. There was plenty of happy life going on around me, but it seemed very out of place in this old building, in this building that seemed like kind of sad, you know, a a place that was clearly past its prime. And... It made me realize that I have this bias against places like this. And when I thought about where the root of this comes from, it's really this desire to avoid incongruence. Like, I don't like being excited about things now if I'm pretty sure that excitement will fade. Whether it be a new phone or a new computer or a new friend, if I'm pretty sure that the novelty will fade, I don't like enjoying the excitement now because I feel like that's hypocritical to then in the future flip-flop and say, oh, actually this isn't that great anymore. That to me doesn't feel right. But I'm realizing now that this kind of incongruence is actually really important for happiness. A few days ago, I did a podcast and essay on Centos and why I love Centos so much. And one of the big reasons is because I can go between hot and cold baths very fast and get like really, really hot, too hot, and then get in a cold bath and get too cold. And that helps me practice patience. It helps me practice being okay with the kind of like heat or cold, the pain or relief that I feel right now, knowing that it will pass. And perhaps... This is the emotional equivalent of that. To be okay with being excited and feeling lots of um, happiness in this moment, even if I know that it will pass, and the thing that I'm focusing my excitement on will no longer generate the same kind of feelings. Um, So anyway, this whole journey to get these headphones ended with me arriving at the headphone shop, and they were closed because of COVID. And I congratulated myself at the time for not getting my hopes up too high, for doing exactly what I do best, which is just, you know, not looking forward too much to these headphones so that when, when I got there and I couldn't even try them on, I wasn't too upset. But now looking back on it and thinking about these happy people inside the old Ayama building, I'm realizing that I think they really know what's up. They, a lot of them, the older ones in that building, there was a lot of older kind of like company folks. Um, Those guys probably experienced the Japanese economic crash in 1992 and the recovery that never happened. To this day, Japan still hasn't recovered to its high of 92, I think. I'm pretty sure. Or at least last year it hadn't, last time I checked. Um, and I feel like despite this, none of the people in that building probably, none of them regret partying in 1992, none of them regret having a great time while that while that economic bubble lasted, even though now it's gone. And so maybe I need to take a lesson from those guys. To let that unbridled excitement hit me, eh, even though it will fade. And I think that's probably a problem that a lot of people have, given that the phrase unbridled excitement is so popular, I'm guessing a lot of us are frequently bridling our excitement. So what do you think? How often do you bridle your excitement? And what does it feel like to let go?